0: Welcome to our annual we torture our Russian audience with our atrocious English episode. Today in our little studio we have a favorite author of delicious takas, Loga Deidelus, number one fan of Nabokov in America, and an ardent student of Russian literature. Zdravuloga, and welcome to the event. What did
1: not bad, Um God damn it, <laughs> speaking Russian, it's awful. I used to be so fucking good, it hurts me.
0: How good we were you? Were you speaking uh, to Russians in uh, New York?
1: Yeah, I used to, um, I took four years of Russian in college up to like the advanced levels. So I was like reading in it and translating in it. And I was talking like every day in Russian, all the time. I used to write poems in Russian. I can't do any of that anymore. It sucks. All
0: right. Uh, What was your experience of uh, American University like? What exactly did you
1: study? I studied Russian. So, like, I. Russian language, um, as is. Yeah, the Russian language and literature. Mm -hmm. um, Because I was hoping to go into like academia and do like comparative literature or something after that. And that would be like my field of expertise, you know?
0: Yeah, you couldn't be a Russian expert.
1: Probably. I mean, there's not really like that many. The issue was that there's so many like Americans who are like born in with Russian, like, you know, into like Russian backgrounds who go the same route that it's like, I can't even fucking compete because they come in like already fluent, you know?
2: Yeah, I guess um, there are only a limited amount of positions where you can write opeds for the New York Times about how Putin uh, is an heir of Dostoevsky.
1: Um, I feel like there's probably a lot of underpublished like or undertranslated Russian literature going on right now.
2: Yeah, and uh,
0: that leads me to my other question about uh, Russian literature. What Russian authors uh, apart from the classics and Nabokov do you enjoy?
1: i mean i can't really go without saying like the classics obviously like i think like Gogol and putin i mean <laughs> i said putin pushkin are like uh... <laughs> it's a strange turn of events but all right. uh, I, I just love them uh so much i've read like everything they've written but uh to get like more obscure like for recent stuff i really like pelyevin um, okay
0: basically you know, Pelevin the fact that you uh, aren't naming more uh, Russian writers because uh, no Russian probably uh, could name other uh, modern writers other than Pilevin. Pretty sad state of affairs. Believin is enough, uh, but it's not that I am like him so much, it's okay, it's alright, it's like uh, Russian postmodernism, whatever. Alright, a couple weeks ago, you published your first book, Selfie Suicide or Carrie's Turnbull's uh, Blue Skidoo." Uh, first of all, what the hell is the second part of the name is supposed to
1: mean? See, like that's that was my original title, and it will make much more sense if you read it. Like, you know, it's kind of like a. I don't. I wouldn't want to like spoil the fun in regards to like what that means. It's sort of like a teaser, I think, but it has a very important meaning within the book.
0: All right, so uh, Kirill, did you catch
2: that meaning? Yeah, of course. Um, it's pretty much spelled out in the end, uh, so.
1: All right, but uh, what
2: the fuck is this?
1: Um, A a skidoo is like it's a American slang for like getting out of somewhere quickly like there's a term called like 23 skidoo where yeah it's like but it's also like a tie to uh, it's a reference to a children's show also that's very popular amongst my Uh generation in the youth Okay
0: I didn't know that. In general could you describe your book and what does it entail to our audience?
1: So I had this idea for a book, like it all kind of struck me when I was at an IKEA one day, like a few years ago, and I wanted to write it as like a short story, but it kept like growing in my mind, like how much stuff like had come to me in like that moment to like actually reflect like the backgrounds of the characters and whatnot. So I tried to find a medium to like express it in as condensed a way as possible. So it's like a short novella. It's at once like a satire and like a romance. It's sort of like magic realist in certain elements, but it's a like a dark comedy. It's mostly a satire on like the contemporary art scene or like how people understand what art is today. All
0: right, it's a strange thing that you mentioned IKEA because uh, I didn't tell anyone about this. But when I was uh, at the IKEA last time, I was thinking about uh, a possible book about a Russian man who fakes uh, losing his memory to cross uh, the Russian-Swedish uh, uh, border. So he fakes losing his memory and Swedish uh, welfare state and all these bureaucracies immediately help him uh, like he is one of their own citizens and uh, he's uh, preoccupied with a horrible Swedish uh, woman like 45 years old uh, very manish uh, no children uh, no future but she's a good uh, state worker so she falls in love with him uh, with his uh, like uh, virility savageness that she desperately wants and doesn't find uh, in in Swedish reality but uh, he doesn't give a fuck about her he just wants to like uh, get uh, welfare maybe fuck some Swedish chick and head back uh, to Russia he does that uh, goes back uh, to Russia to like or some uh, city near that in Karelia and uh, she goes after him or something like that. It was in my mind when I was visiting all these ales of IKEA, this dreadful this all this bullshit.
1: I mean, I feel like that, like, uh, that's, that's, uh, I want you, I want you to write that now, cause that sounds good, but maybe Ikea is like where you need to go for inspiration. I guess <laughs> it's, for, it's like uh, how bad things truly yeah, are. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a real clown word <laughs> that Ikea, the, uh, least spirited place of all the soul the most soulless place on earth, uh, is the ground zero for literature inspiration.
2: That's true. I think IKEA is in general a pretty powerful symbol. There was an article uh, last year, I think, or in seventeen, on Jacobite uh, called IKEA Humans. Uh, it was pretty good.
1: Right. Yeah. I renamed. Uh, I renamed IKE my version of IKEA in the book Flusco, which is the word for mm-hmm. uh,
2: trifles. A logo. Have you read um, uh, Confederacy of Dancers? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, because your main character, well, uh, Kerry, he uh, reminded me a bit of uh, Ignatius really. Yeah, his, uh, would, behavior and ideas. A lot of uh, remind
1: me, uh, like I basically was, hes based off of a real person that I knew growing mm-hmm. up, and then like extrapolated to like if he had become like the sort of like general like anime Twitter poster type person. Because I feel like there's a lot of those types of characters that are very similar to a Confederacy of Dumpses, just in real life now.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the sales for a book uh, like because i asked the delicious takas about this and he said that it pays his rent what about you uh
1: it's it's pretty good uh i i think it'll get up to where i want it to be soon but i've already sold more than like ezra pounds first book you know like things like that like i try to keep it in perspective But it was much better for me than to try to send it to a small publisher in America Mm because a lot of them give you like shit royalties in the first place and hardly anyone buys those books anyway. Like I have friends who are in like the New York literary scene who got stuff published on such things. And it's kind of like they have even less of a shelf life than anything else. Like they made like no money off of it. They're just like rich kids, you know. It's like uh, it's all fun for them.
0: You were the third uh, Twitter man in the weird right twitter who published the book first there was a delicious tacos then bronze age pervert and then you joined the club of self-published twitter authors Uh, do you think this uh, cultural wave uh, can explode into some renaissance of uh, new literature
1: Uh, i hope so i mean that would be the dream right i think it would be good for everyone involved just to have like some sort of a subcultural, like literary landscape, considering how boring mainstream letters are. There's almost no good books out there, especially nothing like new.
0: Yeah, it's a great problem. And do you think that uh, literature in the modern world can realistically survive? Because it's much uh, easier to get the dopamine rush out of anything other than reason, it's not a requirement for enjoyment.
1: That's sort of like a subject that I am ex- explored in the book, but like using the proxy of like painting or of like that sort of because I feel like they will have similar fates, considering their All historical right. origins, roughly the same time as like art forms. So it's like as much of a question like as um, can like a painter or something be relevant today, which is like a very difficult question, you know, like in some ways, yes, but in most ways, no, most of it is just going to be absolutely ignored or whatever, but there are some people who actually like make it.
0: Yeah, we can agree that uh, you can only make it if you gather enough followers on some social media, a small army of fans that like you for some reason for your Twitter takes uh, or some trivial bullshit like that.
1: I don't think that it's very different than at least how the American landscape has worked for a long time because people like Philip K. Dick or like H.P. Lovecraft were essentially like on the edges of like poverty and uh, just had massive letter correspondences with people and published in like these tiny, like niche magazines, which I guess did have more of a, uh, a circulation than other things like, you know, like weird tales or like pulp fiction type things. So I feel like that's like what the goal is here is to just sort of like, we're not going to replicate the sort of like high literary aristocracy era before like the age of democracy. But in this like age of chaos, that's I think how things work is that you have to, uh, I don't know, you build your own crew first and then things kind of spread from there.
0: Okay, so you and tacos are, I'm gonna jump to the modern politics, uh, f- uh, but there's a reason. You and tacos are broadly supporting Andrew Yang for 2020 election, while Bep, the third author from your clique, does not. Do you feel some sort of uh, divide in the All guar- uh, Guards uh, Twitter ranks?
1: Um, I feel like there's like maybe some sort of divide. It's it's, but I don't really know how much it actually is. I mean, I love those guys no matter what. But, yeah. Um, I think we might just have very different economic backgrounds. You know, like I don't like. I'm pretty sure that uh, tacos and I are more uh, closely aligned with people who are like just struggling in a more like normal life circumstance. If that makes any sense, like a lot of the older members are more like established in their careers or whatever. And like these sorts of issues don't really impact them as much.
0: Uh, By the way, uh, you're uh, streaming with us, uh, recording this podcast on uh, Monday morning. So are you in need by any chance right now?
1: uh i've been in need for like a couple months i did have a full-time job for a while but i saved up so i'd have time to write (laughs) Uh, then i wrote my book and put it out so i've been looking for like other (laughs) stuff now i've been i was living off savings for a while so i'll probably get some sort of shitty fucking part-time job pretty soon again and
2: re-enter that world okay which job have you worked before in your life logo
1: I've worked a bunch of different like kind of shitty jobs, like restaurant stuff, like food stuff. Uh, I've worked in factories, but my last job was like an office job where it was just like, you know, compiling paperwork and sending it to people, just being like a node in the information relay. And then that job got automated right after I left. So Automated in what way? Uh, like they replaced it entirely with an AI, like it was a smaller company that was bought out by like a larger, like fortune 500, like conglomerate In like my first week of being there. So it was ultimately like pretty good in regards to like how, like they made everything more efficient, but in doing so they were also like trying to figure out how to get rid of everyone who was doing their jobs, which they just did. All right. Uh, so did you leave uh, New York? Yeah, I left New York a while ago. I've been in Texas for quite some time now. It's much better.
0: Yeah, it's uh, very believable. Our Rus- Russian audience uh, is uh, asking you, uh, we already talked about Pilevin, but some guy is asking you about uh, writer Sadokin, if you know him.
1: Yeah, I've read a little bit of him a while ago when I was uh, in school still, but I, he also did some movies, correct? Or like he had some things adapted, like I think Chitiri. that stuff um, really good, really fucking fucked up also. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a theme, general theme of uh, modern Russian literature that it's all fucked up and it can't be about anything positive at all, whatsoever. Other than that, uh, he's asking about uh, Letov. Igor Letov... is a yes yeah yeah Grasdanska uh, barona it's a post punk group from uh, late uh, 80s and it's probably the most uh, culturally relevant uh, russian rock band that there is uh, do you like them
1: yeah i went through a huge phase of i listened to like that whole like Grasdanska and um Who was his his like girlfriend who had a Uh, Yana 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 Dzyagileva,
0: Yanka Yanka Dzyagileva.
1: Yanka. Yeah, I I got really into that stuff like two years ago. I feel like um I was probably introduced to it from like the Twitter sphere, but I also noticed, noticed that song on uh, the Adam Curtis documentary.
0: Yeah. Unusual peak for uh, some British uh, documentaries.
1: Curtis wrote a lot about uh, the Nazbol stuff when it was going on on his blog. So it's not that... for him to know about it at least. I
0: felt that uh, that uh, documentary was a bit uh, gimmicky. It's kind of like uh, Jordan B. Peterson uh, tries to imagine Stalinist uh, Russia just from reading about it or something like that. But it was a good documentary. Did it uh, influence you in any
1: way? The biggest influence it had was was me being like, this song bumps and then looking at that stuff up. But like, ultimately, I feel like a lot of his documentaries are pretty like, like basic bitch shit, I guess, you know, like, uh, they're like, okay, they're really popular amongst like the, the degraded form of the old left that sort of
2: yeah, along. it's like Bodger
0: Yeah. Also, this guy is uh, questioning you about your takes uh, about Moldbug and how he was a follower of uh, Proudhon.
1: I, I don't think that he he actually is like in his own purposes, but I think that he's like other people have noticed this that he his uh his uh his his ideas aren't really ultimately that different than a lot of the things that undergirded like American liberalism at its founding like the joint stock corporation as a model for governance is how this entire country was founded like our flag is like a modified form of like the Dutch East Indies trade corporation. <laughs> So it's really that whole time period with like Georgism and like uh, then later coming like Proudonism and whatnot is uh, just an un- undergirding part of our intellectual sphere that I feel like people tap into without necessarily being aware of it. Um, so it's more that like if you had, say, a neo-Cameralist actual like political polity, but it had also sort of... Regulations somewhat like what Yang's proposing with like universal basic incomes, for instance, like if every citizen is like also an employee that gains like an income from the uh, betterment of the fucking corporation that is the state, then at that point, you've just got like mold buggy and neocameralism, but with all the like, you know, so that it doesn't just turn into like pure like Silicon Valley feudalism.
2: Yeah, it's actually quite interesting how Moldberg, um, who has no liberal arts education, uh, who has pretty weak grasp of history in general and philosophy, but he kind of came up with those ideas on his own, which is an interesting thing to behold, since uh, he has no idea those ideas actually existed before. But uh, in his uh, IT programmer, code monkey mind, he somehow came up with them on his own, which is an impressive feat.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've met him, uh, before he's like a pretty nice guy. I think he's more well-read than he even exposes himself to be like in his writings. Uh, I think a lot of it has, is like a sort of edgy pose that he was putting on to, especially like kind of annoy libertarians at the time or the more orthodox ones who existed far more prevalently on the internet before, before the, uh, second Obama election, right. When Ron Paul was still mattered as like a figure before the internet sphere turned like totally into um, like a Trump fast, like Trump kind of destroyed the entire discourse that used to exist on the internet
0: okay so daniel tries to pitch you the most influential philosopher modern philosopher of uh, russia galkovsky he wrote a book uh which uh, would translate infinite deadlock he writes uh, that you should um, get back to relearning russian and uh, read it Uh, He thinks that uh, it's a great, uh, ideal book for you.
1: Okay, I mean, I'm totally down. That sounds great. Uh, I'll definitely try to get into that. Um, That would give me a good reason to get back into it. But yeah, I'm interested in that. That sounds good as hell. Infinite Deadlock is a pretty metal name
2: for a book. (laughs) It's a very interesting book. It's, uh, I think, uh, the most defining book of the last 30 years that has been written in Russian, except uh, nobody knows it, uh, except for some uh, literary critics and artists on the Internet. Mm, It hasn't been translated. I actually tried to translate a bit of it myself, um, but it's incredibly hard to translate uh, even harder than translating Bronze Age Pervert into Russian which I also tried uh, which failed miserably <laughs> <laughs> what's like the yeah.
1: philosophical school it's like coming is it there like a lot of like jargon or something or is um, that what makes it particularly hard to translate
2: uh, what makes it hard to translate is he he it's because it doesn't belong to any established uh, school of thought. It's um, it's very unique, uh, it has a lot of ne- neologisms, um, it has a lot of uh, style that you have to be Russian and not only know the language, uh, you have to actually, I think, be embedded in Russian culture for a bit, at least uh, on the level of studying it in college, like you, uh, to understand what he tries to say. Uh, you have to know Russian history very well, you have to know uh, a lot of um, authors uh, like you know Berdyaev, uh, Rozanov uh, that uh, not many people have read nowadays.
0: Yeah, it sounds like yeah. that Rick and Morty copypasta. You have to, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. you have to be pretty high-acute to understand Golkovsky. But it's true in some way. So, you've become recently uh, probably the most envied, uh, hated or mocked Twitter user Things like immediately after release of your book, uh, memes like libidinal flick and uh, endless Twitter imposters are chasing after you, and so on. Uh, how does uh, this ironic or non-ironic sometimes animosity towards you feels?
1: Um, I would quote like Pushkin on this. I remember reading about how he would take the bad reviews or like people uh, maligning him. And he would uh, lay back and just read them out loud to himself and his friends. So that's mostly how I feel. Like I, I'm mostly entertained by uh, people try like they're ultimately my consumers in a weird way, and they are still promoting me in their strange way. So yeah. I can't you know get hats off to them. they're doing it for free
0: you got to admit, though, some of them are hilarious. Like the account that uh, tried to imitate you, these lines like, she pooped shittily." It was funny. And the light-skinned nigga, my oh, Camps, yeah. uh, is a hilarious uh, account. Too bad they died in like a week, so they're not Lindsay, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I was really hoping, like, I, I, I feel like I could parody myself pretty well, and sometimes I feel like... They're doing, like, easy shit when I think about how I would try to make fun of myself. Um, but some of them were pretty good. Like, I thought that uh, the, the, uh, the one post on, like, the parody account where I was saying that, like, I really am into Naboka for, like, the pornographic parts of it. I feel like, you know, that's, like, a pretty easy <laughs> shape to make. But the way he did it was, was novel because he actually had some understanding yeah. of what the books were about.
0: Yeah. By the way, would you uh, move to say russia if your uh, financial status wasn't harmed by that like what uh, would be your country of choice to live in
1: um i mean i like america i mostly just want to live in a nicer part of it Uh, i don't think i'd really want to expatriate unless things Mm -hmm. got like really fucking bad but like Uh, I always, I was I had plans to like do more, like to like go like study in Russia and whatnot, but I just like my, I have more of an interest in like having a family and like, I've had a very long-term girlfriend who like I got engaged to. So I'm pretty tied to this soil here. Uh, I, I, I I didn't want to take like the route of most, uh, post-grad people who are like throw away everything for the sake of like becoming academically relevant by like Mm -hmm. studying abroad and whatnot. Like I had more life interests than that okay where uh, would i move though yeah I don't know. Yeah. probably japan
0: <laughs> uh, it's a very based uh, <laughs> opinion to have uh, so we should uh, jump back to your book and uh, kirill kaminis uh,
2: probably has some questions about it um, questions? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I just finished it a few days ago. Um, I liked it a lot, actually. Um, I had um, a bit of strange feeling at one point, uh, which is not uh, the book's fault. Carrie takes mushrooms and watches uh, the Swedish esport guy uh, play in a storm room. Um, I have a scene which is very similar and almost written in the same way, except he's watching Twitter and not a video game. So I, I kind of like that. I like the uh, the way you used uh, drugs and psychedelics uh, in your prose to create uh, the atmosphere. I know a lot of writers who use psychedelics or drug trips just as a cheap way and boring. Um, but I liked your way of using it because it just goes with the flow um, and it doesn't really change that much.
1: Yeah, I've had a few people say that like some of the things I was writing were like things that they had like thought about or like, you know, had like scenes. So I feel like that's interesting. You know, I, I feel like that means like I've been successful in at least plugging into certain ideas out in the uh, subconscious, the collective subconscious or whatever right now. When it comes to like psychedelics and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I I agree that most of the way that it's used in like fiction is very like false. It rings falsely to me. So I'm glad that you didn't find it um like i don't know a lot of them a lot of it is just absurd like the way that they're used they're just used to like make anything possible Mm -hmm. but i don't think that's how it really works in real life i don't know i was trying to depict like my own experiences to a certain degree at least like amplified to like the worst possible degree just take dmt bro (laughs) that's what i've never done i've never done that i have no desire to uh
2: what do you think of uh, i don't know if you have read it owens uh, western identities uh, thread about psychedelics and demons and shit and aliens can the soul oh, say hope I, I mean like he's not
1: wrong to a certain degree the problem is that he's making like descriptive claims as to how these sorts of things function in like the imagination right so but and then goes the, where he may, where you can potentially make a mistake, mistake thinking in along those lines is where you accept this as, like, the only valid hermeneutic for understanding the world, and then you start, like, seeing fucking everything as being demons and shit, and then you go, you'll obviously go fucking bonkers. All right, so, but it seems obvious to yeah. me, right? Like, you know, like, if you're talking about, like, the demonic, like, every, every culture has, like, an idea of the demonic, and, like, nowadays, like, we don't have, like the forest or whatever to be freaked out about we have space which is like the great dark forest of like older mythologies so obviously it's now where we project like these uh these fictitious entities or like more like archetypes and after even aliens they're now it's like oh they're like dimensions or whatever which has a lot more to do with also like the contemporary just worldview of uh dimensions as being the new thing you don't travel through the the space anymore you travel through dimensions
2: uh you don't believe in actual demons logo
1: see i don't really know what that means like i do believe that there's like that that's uh like an archetype that we use to describe like the ineffable like ineffable situations and like mental movements of things but i'm not i don't like what would that really mean like are there where would they be what would they look like
2: i don't really know would you describe yourself as religious in general?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's like a a problem with that sort of stuff nowadays. The hardest thing in the world is to like try to actually, in my mind, like maintain um, a sort of Christian vision of the world that isn't at once compromised by the various uh, religious institutions that are like using that as a means to an end that distribution of like an ideal. Um I guess I'm more of like a nonconformist than most of the uh like Twitter Christians. So I don't really feel like arguing about dogmas that much. Mm-hmm. They're they're all very much obsessed with like dogmas, but I'm more interested in like the the I guess the literary formations or like the mythological as a, and like a wider range than just like what is the objectively correct myth or whatever.
2: Uh, were, you, were your parents religious? Were you raised in a religious household?
1: I was mostly raised in like a comparative religious household, if I could say it like that. Like my father is like a, a Jungian to a certain degree and like had a bunch like, you know, he had like a bunch of like Nietzsche and like a lot of like Joseph Campbell. And like he actually had a bunch of uh, Northrop Fry and stuff also in my mm-hmm. house growing up so a lot of this sort of stuff is what influenced me a lot like i used to listen to uh folk tales like collections of folk tales on tape when i was a kid and i had books of like greek and nordic mythology just like i was just interested in like all of it i still am like i'm mostly interested in all of it
2: thanks um actually that brings me to another question which uh, i had in the back of my mind um you mentioned uh, ancient greek mythology um what do you think about the resurgence of uh, classical themes in the wider frog Twitter, alt whatever you want to call it? Like the stuff that uh, Bronze Age Pervert does. Um, I talked with Delicious Tuckers about it. He also knows Latin and Greek um, and a lot of <laughs> that stuff. And the stuff in the vapor, the HaperWave, Imaginary, it uses a lot of that stuff. Uh, What do you think about it? And do you have any classical training in history or the languages yourself?
1: Uh, I wish I did. I don't know, like, Greek or Latin. It's, like, unfortunate. Uh, But, you know, I'm just, like, a lower middle class kid who made his way up through, like, some of the chains. Like, I didn't go to, like, a prep. I don't even know where you learn Greek and Latin in America if you're not in, like, a classics department. I guess some of the better schools would offer that at a younger age, but it definitely wasn't available to me. Um, I would have loved to have learned that stuff, uh, in regards to like the classical revival in general, I think that's just like a perpetual ongoing thing. Like people are constantly bringing these themes back because they're like part of the bedrock of our society. So, um, I don't know if it's any more or less now than there was in the past. Like, um, I don't know if it's like a particularly unique thing that's happening but it's like a, a like a constant revitalization of the same
2: mm. things well i guess more people are fighting it uh, this time and of course there was uh, like the germans in the 19th century um everyone uh, tried to pay themselves as uh, the ears of uh, the romans and the greeks but right now we have like a Donald Zuckerberg and uh, whatever you have, uh, who actually try to fight this influence and uh, to tell us that there are just dead white guys um, who we don't need.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's that's like uh, there's like arguments within that camp as well because they're not saying like we don't need them. They're saying like you shouldn't let these people determine how you read them. Instead, let us determine how you read them. You know, like they're not saying like we should not read these things. They're saying like you have to read these things, but be careful. Like you can't just read Nietzsche. You can't just read them on the on your own. What you need is the proper training so you don't misread them and then have dangerous ideas. Mm -hmm. Like they're
2: going to make it safe. Actually, actually, I must say I prefer uh, those uh, of the camp who say that like, Aristotle and Plato were like Nazi, misogynist, fascist, never read them. Um, I prefer those who say that to those uh, who try to read Plato in a feminist way and stuff like that. Like um, A good friend of mine is uh, doing his master's in Vienna right now. And uh, he wrote uh, a paper on a feminist reading of Plato, actually, because, um, yeah, he just tries to... Dude, yeah dude. He, he, he just tries to fit in <laughs> fuck that's sad, yeah that's sad. why i didn't go in that's why, why
1: oh my I, God. I, I talked to all these like grad school kids when i was like thinking about it and they all just like looked at me like sunken-eyed and they were like go far away from here my son like get out while you can so i was like okay I'm yeah that was all that
2: um that was one of the main reasons why i changed changed majors uh, from political science to history uh, because um in history i can just uh, take those classes where you have to know like latin and greek and uh, there's like infinitely less uh, stupid leftists or any kind of stupid people in those classes
1: yeah i think i got lucky because uh the russian department i studied at is one of the better ones in the country just for the fact that new york has a lot of russian immigrants and yeah, um state. Yeah, and it was, like, one of the most, like, free academic zones, I think, like, in the whole school because almost no one took those classes, like, at all. Like, my classes were all, like, very small at this huge school, Mm -hmm. and I got to know, like, the entire faculty very well, and um, they were much more open to, like, more interesting argumentation and just knew generally more than a lot of the Western professors, like, had a more wide-ranging interest in things and like they weren't as as so devoted to like political correctness in general
0: yeah, you're kind of protected by the fact that no one knows Russian. So you can say basically anything you want in it. And by the way, uh, I wanted to ask you about the end of books. The, uh, like, wh- what is the last book that ended uh, old books? Like, there is an uh, obvious uh, answer. Harry Potter. There's no such popular books after that franchise.
1: I would say that like Harry Potter created like the new reading public, which is funny mm-hmm. because it's like just like the adolescence. it kind of just reflects the general prolonged adolescence of that characterizes the time. I think it's kind of like I don't think it's the last one. It's kind of like a literal
0: have, like, uh, literal peasants uh, that only pretended to know Bible. It's uh, the only book you need uh, in the, some sense. So it's yeah. created a, a not a well read. Uh, obviously population but a reading population of peasants that barely know how to read and it's the most uh, important book of all and in russia as well it's like uh, in every white country let's say it's the same and i, I don't know if there will be any book uh, that uh, is gonna be as popular uh, than harry potter well,
1: well of we've
2: course. had
1: it that well, similar of things have happened in the past like there's been really hugely popular essentially like adult not even like adolescent i guess but like christian utopia type novels like in the 18th century that were some of the most like well like a lot of them written by female authors also okay they're some of the one of the best-selling books like, but, like jane no austen or no oh, no, no like jane Oh Austin. okay
0: So, uh, how do you feel about the fact that uh, New Zealand shooter influenced uh, by Twitter memes that you, we all, and especially uh, people like Minakinon spawned? Uh,
1: I don't really know how much that's true. I feel like a lot of it is just like older Chan culture stuff. I didn't see anything. Yeah, like uh, things
0: like uh, ecofascism and stuff like that. It's not a Chan culture. It's uh, clearly that uh, all of our clique created uh, these uh, trends.
1: I don't know about that, man. Um, I really, like, I feel like that's, that's a little bit much. Uh, I, like, it, I, I don't think that Mena invented the term eco He didn't invent it, like
0: but uh, he, clearly no one uh, talked about seriously before him.
1: Well, there's one line in that manifesto which says that and one that also names like Candace Owens as like the greatest influence and whatnot. So I don't yeah. really, yeah. I don't, I think that it's kind of like, a, it's literally like a kitchen sink full of like everything that yeah, can be found uh, yeah. in disagreeing with itself on almost everything. As they mentioned on the Weekly Sweat, the most like glaring, like, Uh, missing element of it is that you would expect this to have been a a much more like anti-Semitic thing, like, right. If it actually was being influenced by the sort of far right fringe sphere of the internet, right. You would think that there'd be a lot more anti-Semitism in it than there actually is, which makes me question like the actual like goals of this thing. I don't know. It's very fishy to me and it seems to have been spawned solely to, you know, uh, increase like internet censorship in New Zealand and uh, in like the Anglo sphere, I guess, and also just to like create the exact reaction that it has garnered.
2: Right, Kirill. Yeah, but but it's it's kind of weird that um, he why if it was like a psyop why would you write about your goals? Why would you write uh, we want uh, to accelerate things? Um, Why would you put it in the manifesto your exact goals? It says everything that is happening right now would happen.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what that's like the hyperstitionary, like, I don't know how much you believe in like um like meme magic, right? This sort of thing that everyone has been calling that. I feel like this isn't like a fake phenomenon. Like when you embed something like that saying like the exact effects of what you're going to do, and then those come to pass, like it seems to me like it was a very calculated, like mental effort. You could call it a PSYOP, whether or not you think it was coordinated by a large group of people or like x group of people versus y group of people but it was definitely like a psychological operation and i don't think that like whoever did it knows what they knew what they were doing because they could even say what they were going to do and how it would affect people and it did
2: i don't know i think um in my opinion it's just uh, we are entering a stage of uh, i don't know late stage neoliberalism, you could call it, I guess, uh, where the culture is uh, so empty and devoid of originality that you have people who use uh, verbal intoxication, so memes, which are basically like mantras. Uh, to kill all the critical thinking inside their brains, and it's just replaced by those memes. And uh, I, I've said before that the shooter he had no ideology. Uh, it's uh, you can see in his manifesto that he um, was like mad at actual things that actually happened, but he had no real ideology. He had no. Political opinions. He just didn't like what was happening, and he was fed um, a bunch of memes and something short-circuited in his brain, uh, which led us to whatever happened.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of the more interesting thing, right? If there 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 is an ideology there, but it is not like reflected in that. It's um, the ideology fundamentally is just like heighten the contradictions, right? To like, it, I don't like. It's not really like an ideology. It's like, what are we going to do after this? But it's like to create the moment for which some like revolutionary action would happen is to like to, to like you know descend america into a civil war is literally what the goal stated goals were in there so i feel like that, yeah but, I, I don't know
2: yeah i i feel like it's uh, the first terror attack that actually completely took uh hyper reality and not an actual reality. Because it's just some random dude, some from Australia who goes to New Zealand and kills Pakistanis because of something that happened in Sweden. That makes like no sense at all. It's uh what connection can he have to Sweden, to France, to Germany, to Europe, even or even to United States internal stuff like why would an Australian uh, who lives on the edge of the world uh, even think about like Candace Owens and Donald Trump he has no reason to uh, beside that uh, reality is just kind of dissolving and uh, we're entering some kind of weird meme hyper reality.
1: Yeah I think it's just the it's like an element of like just the electric age in general like Marshall McLuhan wrote about the global village and which is a term he got from Wyndham Lewis almost like a hundred years ago when Wyndham Lewis was writing it. But uh the this turns like every what do they have in common? while well, they all go on the same websites, you know, like what do we have in common? Like I'm talking to you from across the globe. Yeah. You know, so it's like why are we even having these discussions? It's just that <laughs> like like the, the we're about as connected as that guy is to Sweden.
0: No, we have Russian, uh, some kind of theme in common, but yeah, I agree that we all got mindfucked by internet and it's getting harder, the pounding is getting harder and harder. Uh, So, we also were the original frog Twitter bros once uh, in like uh, 2016. Uh, Do you miss this era?
1: No, I think it was actually a good era. I feel like um, I like I still don't like I don't have any regrets on the Trump presidency. Like, I think that it is much better than what the alternative would have been. Like the alternative would have been like the complete domination of like the sort of neoliberal shit that is current, like always trying to like uh, dominate us here. But it would have just unrolled much faster and with uh, popular acclaim. Yeah the problem is but. that
0: uh, Trump his impotent rage uh, he's clearly the villain like uh, if Hillary were the president that uh, he, and people uh, agreed that she sucked that uh, then uh, neoliberalism and all this shit would be to blame while it's easy now for general american public to just blame like far right nationalism for uh, why things are so shit
1: yeah, I mean that's why I am interested in Andrew Yang at this point because he's the only one running who doesn't want to turn the 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 uh, the like objective causation of what is wrong right onto uh, a certain tribe of politically like affiliated people, but rather on like the socioeconomic or like technological superstructure itself, which I think is a uh, only like way to get out of neoliberalism in the first place is to you know have a hard think about that as opposed to because even if it was like oh well we like hate hillary neoliberalism then the next election would have gone to like fucking ted cruz or something you know yeah like it like there it's not like it there was like another alternative
0: uh cam uh, you're an outspoken opponent of uh, wage slavery but I think there is some arguments uh, for why most of the people should be working every day of their lives and when Yang comes, clearly a large chunk of the population drops out of jobs and just gets by one thousand dollars and imagine the influx of shitty art uh, this uh, all this perversity uh as- accelerating increasingly every single day when like 50 percent say uh, of americans stop working
1: i don't think that would happen Why? Like most of the people well, it, well, it would happen to the type of people who are prone to do such things. Like, but I don't know how many people would leave their jobs for a thousand dollars a month. It's uh, uh, clearly and if you had those people leaving. Then no. you have, you know, wages would go up because there'd be less demand for labor if you have like that. So maybe there'd be a divide. We'd have a lot more like bad art. But I don't know. There's plenty of bad art already. Like, there's people. You might have people who are doing more interesting things than people who can like, commoditize and have, like, a a Patreon for doing anime porn, you know? Like, those are the people that are actually succeeding as artists right now.
0: Yeah, I know that. Uh, By the way, I remember that you wanted to make a YouTube channel to, like, uh, not pander to normies, but spread your message far and wide. Uh, Why didn't you do that?
1: I'm still thinking about it. Um, Mainly it's, like, just, like, I literally don't have a computer right now. I haven't for a while, so I don't have like the means to do it at this point.
0: Yeah, the Uh, sad state of affairs in modern America, we're turning like in the Soviet production about how uh, poor uh, Americans are starving to death under uh, rabbit capitalism, while we are sitting in our comfy computer gaming chairs. Yeah, it's uh, quite funny, like uh, every American has uh, poorer living conditions uh, than, say, your average Eastern European. I'd say uh, poor quality of life. Like it uh, can be described in a mere statistic. Do you agree with that? Uh, that quality of life um, is not tied to economics in any way. And what would you say about uh, the state of uh, average American?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like people don't really understand how bad things truly are in America. Mm -hmm. Like even a lot of the people who are like, oh, things are pretty bad or whatever. But generally, uh, the people who talk about things or get uh, famous for talking about things almost come exclusively from the like higher socioeconomic brackets, not even like the super rich, but I'm just saying like the generally like upper middle class Mm -hmm. who like by living in the suburbs have like no real connection whatsoever with what the, uh, rural areas are from, like, I grew up in a town with like 5,000 people in it with like farms on my road and whatnot and like trailer parks and things mm-hmm. like that. So like, I, like I've grown up in this shit and it's gotten much worse just in my time of being there. Like when I go back to my town, it's like, everyone's dying from fucking heroin overdoses. Like people in my family have died. Like my friends have died from these sorts of things. Um, And I just feel like, you know, most people have really no conception of how bad it truly is. It really is like fucking third world out there. Like, it's not, it's not pretty, it's like very depressing.
0: Yeah, the great thing about uh, Andrew Yang, that he's probably the first politician to ever talk about opiate crisis and things like that. Because no one did it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was like what I was interested in for like Trump for the most part. Like, I'm less of like, uh, like I'm not really that interested in like identity politics type shit. Like, I'm not as much of like uh, an ethno nationalist, I guess, as other people. Like, I, I don't really understand what that means because like I grew up in an area that was 100% white, like almost 100%, like maybe 99%. And it's not like it was fucking paradise, you know? It's not like, it's not yeah. like this is like, the solution to problems
0: yeah and also the two major countries that uh, suffer from heroin and uh, opioid crisis are russia and uh, america it's like we're brothers in the tragedy in a lot of things uh, there's a lot yeah. of correlation between us
1: absolutely i think that it it goes back really far like i think that the the mm-hmm. state of like And even um, there was, I think Donald Trump actually just retweeted this, but this guy who does, um, like, independent journalism is talking about how, like, the uh, Russia dossier and, like, this, like, whole Putin connection thing was actually spun up by, like, British intelligence services Mm -hmm. as a way of countering, like, Russian influence on their part, which is literally, like, the geohistorical like question in regards to American relations with the UK and with Russia forever, like since the founding of the country, Russia has been more interested in supporting the United States as a way of like, getting out from under the grip of the British Empire, because like we're like, so things have gone back a really long time in regards to like our nation's relations.
0: Yeah, and that's why Americans are so interested in Russia and can't fucking stop talking about us and vice versa, naturally. Speaking of um, YouTube and PewDiePie. A PewDiePie, I was amazed when uh, I learned that PewDiePie makes uh, more money on YouTube selling merch with the word on a hat uh, it is know suka huh? suka on a hat than he makes uh, from advertisement this like, strange fascination with uh, base uh, Russian culture that's uh, gimmicky, that's not even real, but still, I think there's a lot of ways to capitalize as uh, on Russian culture in America that's not uh, been done even remotely. So I think that Russian language is uh, more important. There was a great meme like uh, last 15 years that you should uh, all learn Chinese because we are going to be dominated by them. But uh, it's clearly not the reality. These people uh, have no distinct culture of their own and the upper classes of Chinese society are learning English and they're ready to dissipate in this American new shit culture. But uh, Russian is really the only relevant uh, language I can think of other than Spanish, maybe. Uh,
1: Japanese. Japanese, like Japanese uh, have a huge cultural influence. Look, uh, look. Like, uh, I, like in the same way. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Uh, Japanese had a uh, ridiculous influence on America in 80s when Americans were convinced that Japan would be a future superpower that's gonna build robots and shit that's uh, but it really didn't happen like uh, there were were quite uh, decent uh, Japanese writers uh, after Misima uh, like uh, Murakami and uh, stuff like that and people were uh, couldn't get enough of that anime sailor moon uh, but uh, japan is uh, fading away the myth of japan uh, it's still great uh, but it's not the future and i think this great uh, depression about future uh, people face that uh, no future isn't happening robots are not gonna be built there's no artificial ai it's all Joke—it's all a big uh, f- fake, a big nothing uh, that's uh, affecting us uh, today. What uh, would you say about that?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's all fake, to be honest, because a lot of shit Automation. is going on. And right? Uh, yeah, it's—it's mm-hmm. it's really not though. Like, um, I like I—I I have a lot of knowledge on this because uh, my fiance does a lot of like cybersecurity research and stuff like that. So, um. Mm. This stuff is actually accelerating a lot faster, I think, than most people recognize. And it's being used like, or at least like the major companies are like phase shifting into these things much faster. And they will even more so when a recession hits and they have an excuse to like cut jobs in order to replace them with a new infrastructure. um, which They don't have right now, right? Like it would be harder for them to justify this right now. But there's already like, I was just in San Francisco like a week or so ago and it's it's very straight. Like, they have, like, robot baristas and stuff. So there is a like, certain degree uh, like this uh, but...
0: Uh, robot barista welcome on two legs or
1: what? No, it's just, like, an arm. It's, like, one of those, like, arms... And it just makes like a oh. cup of coffee, and you—it's like in like right. almost like a vending machine.
2: Uh, I think the problem is um we, as a culture, expected it to be universal that everybody will have like uh, ten robot slaves uh, who will do everything for him. But in practice, it turns out that yeah, there will be, of course, uh, of course, there are robot baristas in San Francisco. Where else would they be? Yeah. Um, but but it's not like the average person will really profit from this. The average person will just have some kind of uh, smart home microwave, which is gonna get hacked and will mine Bitcoin for Chinese teenage hackers. Uh, That's what what the experience of the average person will be.
1: No, that's that's the issue, right? Is that it isn't um, so specifically tied to like everyone, but there are like, this is like a small thing, but I literally have like a robot vacuum cleaner, right? So (laughs) it wasn't even that expensive. So, like, on a certain degree, like... Isn't that uh, just a meme,
0: happened. though? Uh, does it actually clean good? well? Yeah, no,
1: it's... it's What's, what's good about it is that uh, I run it, or, like, we run it on, like, a schedule, like, every day, you know? So even if it doesn't do, like, a perfect job, like, yeah. every single time, just the fact that you have, like, ambient cleaning, I guess, yeah, yeah, going yeah. on is actually like very like nice for my in traditional class, times
0: like. uh, there were such a thing as a dutiful wife <laughs> it was a, a traditional form of ambient cleaning but yeah i guess uh,
1: i mean i don't fault them for not wanting to fucking do Chores and shit like it sucks yeah, like yeah. i do them myself so like i like doing laundry by hand is awful
2: yeah yeah but the point is that like uh, roombas or whatever brand you have they were like invented 20 years ago so it's not like it's uh, <laughs> yeah, some kind yeah yeah, of yeah
1: no, no no i'm not saying like that that's like like it's... like whoa we have robot vacuum cleaners everything's mm-hmm. great but i'm just saying like some of the things do trickle down the issue is that where the automation is actually the most useful for like the major economy mm-hmm. has no no relation whatsoever to our like daily lives like they're things that happen that us thinking about them so we may not have like exact like robot uh like you know fucking at our hands to use but every time we use things like Uber or any of these sorts of things which are like very useful in more of the urban circumstances these sorts of things are You know, almost everything to a certain component is having these updates in efficiency (laughs) brought down eventually. Yeah. Like maybe not your local small town businesses and stuff, but the ones that are hyper competitive at like the top.
0: Yeah. uh, There's a lot of app. excuse me uh, there's a lot of app economy going on right now but other than apps uh, I really don't uh, see much uh, innovation but it's uh, even if there is it's all uh, underwhelming like uh, the great oh, hopes yeah. of uh, futurists uh, like uh, even Philip K. Dick that wasn't uh, wearing pink shades about future even that uh, looks uh, much more enthusiastic than anything that we have right now and uh, look uh, all we have about future near future is black mirror Um, there's a reason why people like it because it's the only future possible future we can have Uh, the best thing that automation will do is uh, replace uh, workers from like San Francisco and uh, it's not even gonna be universal because I I think that uh, the cost of uh, wage labor in most parts of the world worlds are much cheaper it's gonna forever be cheaper than any robot there's no point in uh, like investing in robots if you can pay uh, like a dollar a day in most of the world for uh, shaking drinks or stuff like that uh, i think yeah. it's a big no, hurdle no, no. i
1: agree yeah i agree but like you're thinking of automation in regards to like production which is like a fairly old form of automation compared to like the type of automation that is like on the way right it's going to be more like automation in regards to like this most of the like a lot of the white collar jobs that are like the bedrock of the upper and lower and the higher parts of like the lower middle mm-hmm. class in america
2: yes, uh, yes like, I, think the pr- I think the problem I mean, is like that many yeah that many people don't understand that uh most office jobs that exist right now are uh can be replaced even right now by some kind of exo macro Uh, we don't actually need those people to do those jobs it's just uh, easier to pay them a salary than uh, to have them die off heroin on the streets and people are rapidly forgetting that uh, this is the case
0: yeah and the spooky thing about uh, Andrew Yang and his whole campaign is uh, that he wants to introduce the social credit system in America like uh, they do in China uh, that's uh, you I have. think that's a yeah. that's
1: that's like that's something that a lot of people have been spreading but I think it's people who haven't read like the platform mm. like itself okay like, uh the term because the issue is the issue is with the term social credit and what it has come to mean <clears> now <throat> now that the chinese have something that they're calling social credit whereas the original like social credit system is like uh and like anglo invention by ch douglas i believe in like the 20th century the earlier 20th century who is very well read by people like pound and stuff like ezra pound has lots of writings on social credit and it's not at all like the chinese <clears> system Um, People, I think, were getting upset about just that word being used and the fact that they see Andrew Yang as being, like, Chinese, even though he's, like, Taiwanese and went to Phillips Exeter in fucking New Hampshire. So, like, I don't really know how super Chinese he is. But his social credit system that was renamed as the Modern Time Bank is basically turning community service into some sort of, like, gamified Pokemon Go game, which is, like, opt-in or opt-out. So it'd be, like, the idea that... You download this app. If you, like, go volunteer on, like, this day at this hour or whatever to, like, fucking feed at the soup kitchen, you'll get, like, points. And some of these points would then be, like, changeable for, like, vouchers from, like, local businesses or whatever. So it's literally just a way of updating, like, like food drive type things and, like, that sort of charitable work into to have like modernized incentives so it's like hey if you work at the food kitchen you can eventually get like a free pizza or some shit <laughs> it's that's like literally a, all that it is
0: it's like a MMORPG, PG, but uh, for real life uh, and not true r- yeah.
2: yeah i just wanted to say that it's basically just uh in line with the gamification process going on every everywhere else yeah no i
1: i sort of pre- i've been predicted like predicting that like gamification is like the big thing and it, i honestly think that Like, I expect it to be bad, but I don't think it's inevitable that it could be a bad thing. Like, you know, like, uh, it, it could be done in ways that isn't totally pernicious. And that's, like, the main thing that I'm supporting Yang for is that I think a lot of these things are coming no matter what, and I'd rather have them done earlier and by, like, a person who seems less, like, politically entrenched than when they inevitably do come in, say, 10 years by fucking, like, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or something. Like, some <laughs> stupid bitch who's, like, totally, at, like, blackmailed by, like, higher-ups.
0: Uh, actually, uh, I think it's uh, quite inevitable that uh, Kaiser cortez will become president in 2024 20, 20, uh, because it's, uh, like, ridiculously lined up. Uh, she... Turns 35 uh, exactly uh, in that year. Uh, it's uh, it's such a ridiculously obvious uh, zog ploy that it's not even funny. Uh, I think there is yeah, no chance. That's uh, like,
1: like Andrew Yang is the only way to stop that, though. Yeah, basically, you have if he else win.
0: yeah yeah if he's uh, gonna be well liked uh, and he managed to win this uh, election and uh, he's gonna be well liked, uh, he might lose. But even if it's gonna be a anyone but him, like Cortez, uh, like uh, ruins uh, everything.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people like who are sticking with Trump don't realize that the powers that be can take four more years of bullshit. Like they can take four more years of nothing happening, which is what's happened these in this like administration is almost nothing like nothing beneficial or like that has quelled like the actual issues that are like turning people insane in in this country. So what they'll eventually get is a very cathartic Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez super victory and which will instantaneously create a super majority for the Democrats into perpetuity. So I don't really understand why people are not on the yanking yet. I feel like they don't understand what's happening.
0: Yeah, did you see that uh, awful comics uh, that uh, I <laughs> ordered uh, an artist uh, called Holopi to draw about Kazio Cortez uh, that meets Putin for the first time in 2024 and uh, puts him in her uh, decalte? What the fuck would you call it? Cleavage. Cleavage, cleavage. yeah. Oh,
2: cleavage. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, did you see that? No? no, I don't see it. Uh, I should repost it because uh, it's yeah. uh, grotesque, it's awful, but uh, it's an image that uh, haunted me, and I think it's uh, a powerful image uh, to say the least. Uh, so. Are you still part of uh, the PewDiePie bro army? Like PewDiePie, uh, the last uh, year, maybe a little less, uh, rebranded as a literature podcast guy, um, a literature rating channel. Do you like him still, or uh, did he meet up uh, to your expectations?
1: I mean, I remember when he first got big, like when YouTube was like an early platform Mm -hmm. and he was just another one of the like gamer react type people. And like his his sort of content has like sucked for most of his like lifetime on the platform. But uh, I think that being just like having to like go completely on his own, like he's got kicked off of all of his uh, like establishment things like they were really trying to burn him in like what was it like t- maybe like two years ago now i i my, my sense of time is all fucked with this but they tried to burn him for like anti-semitism or whatever which was like <laughs> nonsense he said the n-word um playing uh pub uh but I think that since he got kicked from all those platforms, um, he's been doing much more interesting stuff. His literature takes are pretty good. I mean he's at least recommend – like there's actually uh, – people have correlated huge optics with people buying these books after yeah. he reviews them. It's not like he's reading bad stuff. Like he just reviewed like Kierkegaard like l- last time. And it's like if we have more fucking gamer kids like picking up copies of Kierkegaard, like that's all I've been trying to do, man.
0: Yeah, did you like his review of Mishima?
1: Yeah, um, he's pretty good. He's he's he likes it, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, like more people that read it, the better. I mean, Mishima's a great author.
0: Yeah. Alright, yeah, there's not much that you could ask more from uh, the most popular channel YouTube than this. Honestly, amazed that uh, American YouTube uh, could pull it off uh, by some miraculous uh, chance uh, that the most popular gar- guy is not some Zog drone. It's uh, ridiculous, and, and he's Swedish to the boot. It's uh, <laughs> it's like uh, the most uh, unexpected uh, thing to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like what you were saying with, like, that shooter and, like, the hyper-reality. Like, the top YouTuber is, like, a Swede who's living in the UK married to an Italian who who puts out merch with, like, that's basically the type with, like, Russian words on it. Swear words, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, The first time I... Started to like PewDiePie is uh, when he stopped gaming because uh, he didn't feel like it, and uh, it was clearly that uh, it was clear that uh, he was lost. Uh, he didn't know what to do. He managed to uh, get to the stars, uh, do all he wants, but he lost all his um, uh, passion for gaming yeah. at some point, right? Uh, un- unlike uh, every other Twitch stream he didn't hope on that awful trend so uh, he was lost and he was clearly influenced by filthy Frank I uh, remember that face then uh, he started to imitate the way filthy Frank speaks uh, and was uh, kind of uh, ridiculous and pathetic in some way but uh, I like said to myself oh wow this guy has a soul this guy uh, is clearly striving to for something greater than he used to do and yeah it's uh turned out very well
1: yeah i support yeah. him 100 percent. i actually think that like you know a lot like that it's very much like uh something like he's representative of something more than that though also he's like representative of the like old youtube culture before it was like bought out by google yeah yeah and yeah. like turned into like a corporate machine for like because like he's basically just competing with like fucking Bollywood, Vivo for a number one spot and i feel like that's a very compelling like um like story of like an underdog to a certain degree which is part of his appeal <laughs> but it's also funny when you get all the the pieces written by people against him who are like there's now even people writing pieces about how like everyone should subscribe to t-series because it's like more like authentic and like third world <laughs> or whatever. And it's like it's literally a fucking massive corporation. Like what are you
0: oh my like God. it's so funny. It's like it's so uh,
1: neoliberal. Yeah. It's, like it's the most neoliberal thing in the world.
0: Alright, so we need to uh, change the topic to a more serious one. You're probably one of the most well read Americans of our time. So please name top five American writers and Russian writers.
1: Alright, so American, number one, is Melville. Absolutely. Uh, number two, I'd probably go with, like, Poe. I think Poe would be, like, number two, um, just for how influential he is. Yeah. Um, number three, uh, this is, like, all off the fucking dome, so everyone's yeah, going to yeah. piss off, but I don't have, like, a list in my what I've written down somewhere <laughs> I have to go consult. Number three, um... I feel like those are the big two, right? If we were to have like a Gogol and a Pushkin for America, I think that they have to be Poe and Melville. Some people would say Mark Twain up there. I think Mark Twain's important, but not as good as those guys.
0: Lovecraft.
1: Um, see, but Lovecraft is just Poe. You know, Lovecraft yeah. is like he. Most of his shit is just like. But he's more Poe. racist. I mean, people called Poe racist you know, too. <laughs> people like so, I don't know everyone, but like. Uh, not at the end of his life, H.P. Lovecraft, by the way. He was a big New Deal Democrat by the time he was out. Oh, That was like when he was poor and living in New York, which I can totally identify with. I actually lived like two blocks away from where he lived. But anyway, I'll go back to the list. So I got the top two. The other, I'm going to toss the other three sort of like haphazardly. I think Thomas Pynchon has to be in anyone's top five if they've actually read his shit. Like it's one of the most deeply um, like rich – or was in American literature, and it deals with like almost every historical time period of American literature. So I don't know how anyone could do that. Um, I don't know if you'd count Nabokov as an American writer. I'll just put him as like, I'll just toss that name out there and not count it in the top five here. But I feel like his work is like both Russian and American, at least his last stuff. Is. Yeah,
0: I feel like he's more American than Russian. Uh, like there are some characteristics that make him unique, obviously, for American. But I wouldn't call him uh, Russian authentically
1: yeah i mean he learned russian as like a second like yeah, he, yeah he grew yeah. up like as an like speaking english so it's a know. great
0: own like to american culture that uh, he's one of the best american authors russian for uh, by origin but still
1: yeah um so other american writers who i think are especially good i feel like the like i'm not even going with like the canonical picks at this point like people would say faulkner etc oh, but no. i think that uh henry miller um, like Tropic of Cancer and like all those books are like hugely are like more stylistically influential than a lot of the beats. So I would put him there to like represent that time period as opposed to like someone like Kerouac or something. And uh, probably Ezra Pound is a, another similar figure because of just how influential he was on that whole period.
2: Ezra Pound was basically the first uh, member of Rock Twitter.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways. I feel like the Cantos are basically like a long Twitter account you know because he was writing them like about his real life and things he was reading just like in real time
0: look about melville um i was sick like two years ago and uh, my girlfriend used to call me every evening and uh, read uh, russian translation of moby dick uh, to me like uh, a couple hours uh, before i go to sleep Uh, my understanding of it is not uh, perfect right but uh, I understand what uh, he was going at, but uh, it, to be honest, uh, no, it was kind of underwhelming for me. Maybe maybe you have to be Anglo-Puritan to uh, understand it properly.
1: I don't think it could really translate that well, to be honest. because oh, of Maybe the style that was of an speech. issue, yeah. The style is like part is like mostly uh-huh. what it's like, like if you were reading, because there's long sections, which are really long, like metaphors using like the whale autonomy. And like, you know, like the I mean, uh, anatomy, like, um, as like a long metaphor for more like spiritual discussions. But the style is almost all taken from Shakespeare and like the Kim, King James Bible and like Milton. Oh, so yeah. the language itself is very much like. Just like full of allusions to like specific phrases and things like that.
0: All right. Then, uh, I understand why I didn't get it as I should have been. All right. So top five Russian authors of all time.
1: Um, I think Tolstoy is number one. Um, then I'd put Pushkin, then Gogol. I just love like I I I know this is like sort of hack, but like fucking they're so good like that it's not it's not even close. Um, Belly and Block I think are super good, very underrated in like Western audiences. I think like Petersburg is one of my favorite books, and I blocks like this like the whole Symbolist era there is like super influential to me anyway. What about um, Turgenev? I like Turgenev. My, my issue with him is that it's my issue with a lot of, like, American literature also is a mm-hmm. sort of, like, uh, parochialism, I guess, where it's just kind of, like, it's not as much of, like, high concept stuff. It's a lot, like, a lot of the, like, you know, like, the description, like, it's like with Chekhov, right? Like, I love Chekhov. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, like, the, you're just, like, you know, like, I don't really care about, like, a high mimetic. Representation of like poor people having problems with things, you know. Like I'm interested in like something
2: a, l- a little. Um, you remind me of um, something I don't remember where it was, but uh, Tolstoy uh, he wrote it I think in the um, forward in one of his books or in a letter somewhere. I don't I don't really remember, but he said something like um, he was criticized because he only writes about like aristocrats and uh, rich people, and he replied that um, it's boring to write about poor people because because poor people only are like hungry, lonely, cold, and those are basic emotions. And um, he would rather write about aristocratic people who have higher feelings and access to higher aspirations.
1: <laughs> well, it's sort of like, well, I mean, like also, like in that context, it's
2: like you have, what
1: would you rather read, right? Like you know, like sketches from a Huntsman's album, or I, I can't remember the Russian word for that Turgenev book, which is good. <laughs> or, <laughs> Yeah, but, like, would you rather read that or, like, The Petersburg Tales, right? Where it's, like, what's more of... No, like a, I would rather... Uh, ...depiction of, like, uh, poor people than the overcoat. No, I would
0: rather... Much rather reads um, the Turgenev book.
1: Really? Person,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, it's oh, okay. uh, full of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, really, uh, it's uh, more authentic and uh, speaks to my Russian heart more than uh, anything uh, about uh, Saint Petersburg. That was uh, some sort of uh, anomaly of uh, that time. I understand it, but it's over saturated as it is, and. Um, have you read
1: uh, the you, Gogol's, like, like, the evenings in Decon- like Deconca? Yeah, and sure,
0: sure. Uh, I love Gogol as well. Uh, but yeah. uh, isn't that, uh, doesn't um, Gogol write about uh, poor people as well?
1: Well, sort of, but they're always tied to, like, more, like, archetypal, like, more, like, magical happenings, right? Yeah, like, sure. Or, like, kind of, like, the style. Like, I'm more interested in, like, uh, I'm not interested in realism, I guess as a genre. Mm. Like I like like I'm not like a huge Dickens fan or like fans of like a lot of like Victorian literature or like stories that are just supposed to like be like real life or something like that. Like that's just not my particular interest. So like I guess that explains my canonization of the more uh stylistic writers like like uh you know Poe Mm-hmm. wasn't really writing about like everyday life as much as he was like extreme circumstances
0: oh. what do we have uh, first place is Tolstoy um second place um Pushkin the third place Gogol uh f- fourth place uh, Block
1: or Belly Block or Belly yeah and then the last I'd either put I'd either put Dostoevsky or Lermontov, but I'm not sure Right, uh, you're.
0: I think that uh, Dostoevsky is um, one of the most uh, hyped-up uh, Russian authors in the West for some reason. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, uh,
1: I tend to agree with Nabokov's criticism of Dostoevsky, which is that he would have been the best dramatist of the times. <laughs> like that, he probably should have been making plays, right? just cause of the way that he plots things. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of like, um, like you basically get, like, he'll describe the scene and then it's like dialogue, 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 like people's actions, which is almost the exact setup for things that would be great on like the stage or like Dostoevsky adapted to movies usually works really well. Um, I I love Dostoevsky. Like I love those books, but I don't really ever feel the need to reread them because you when you go to reread them, you just yeah, realize sure. how much you're getting like beat over the head with fucking like remember this detail because it's going to be important later. And
0: yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Kirill, do you agree with
2: either of those lists? Um, I would place uh, Dostoevsky a bit higher on my list, I guess. Yeah. Um And yeah, uh, I
1: could see that. And I, like, I could, like, I might put them as, like, the split, like, I'm more interested in, like, the dialectic of the time, mm-hmm. right? So, like, Cold Story Dostoevsky at the top is, like, probably the most,
2: like, the highest point of Russian literature, mm-hmm. like, that sort of issue. And actually, uh, I guess it's personal for me, but uh, Lermontov uh, as well, uh, Hero Over Time, uh, was a really, really important book for me when I was, like, a teenager. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, it formed my, my views on a lot of things um i think uh, you can see on my twitter handle uh, it's called after the last chapter of uh, that book yeah. Fatalist. um so yeah that's. I love uh, that.
1: he, can, he comes after pushkin and is doing a lot of the same sort of things like
2: yeah he's
0: Hero like pushkin's kind of reply Trump guy. guy Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the american list um i don't think i know american literature, literature really well enough um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm better at British literature than American, so I can't really say too much uh, criticism, especially when I'm talking to like an nerd like Logo. <laughs> um, I enjoyed um, *Moby Dick* uh, as well. Uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it has uh, a lot of uh, mythological and archetypical illusions um so it's just an important work of culture it's uh even if you don't uh, enjoy it as much uh, as a, a book since the plot is like uh, not the most monument to american culture it's uh, or european culture in general it's a uh, pretty important i never enjoyed uh, mark twain actually even as a kid even as a teenager i never really liked it i don't know why i think
1: his only good book is Huck Finn, in my opinion. Like the rest of it's kind of like mediocre, but I think that Huckleberry Finn is a great book. Like because it's also like very like archetypal, you know. Like mm-hmm. it's about like the the adolescence of like the American nation entering into like the Civil War.
2: Um, actually, the um my favorite uh, writing of um Mark Twain is probably um The Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. Because uh, when he he writes about Joan of Arc, uh, you can really uh, feel it, and uh, it's the best I have ever read by him.
0: The last list that I thought of is uh, top five authors that are alive right now, um, uh, that everyone who listens to it uh, must read.
1: Okay, so like alive now, that's going to be hard because I think the most important one is dead, which is now. (laughs) But Bolaño, I think, is, like, the greatest author we've had in a long time. Very long time. But alive now. um, Thomas Pynchon, still alive. Everyone should read Thomas Pynchon from beginning to end. Start with V. Um, Nasgard, I think, is very, very good. He's not, like, particularly, like, deep or anything, but I think stylistically he's just, like, a great read.
0: Yeah, doesn't he write about uh, how he's, like, jerking off and watching Twitch streams or some equivalent of that every day.
1: Uh, it's not like, that's how people describe it. Yeah. But it's much more like kind of like Proustian, like really long arcs for like different time periods of his life. It's not really so much like the at like the banal, <laughs> but like that is colored in it. So it'll be more like he remembers like specific memories and like hyper realistic detail this is the interesting part about it. So like not so much like this is like you know he's like it's not a diary as like where he would go day by day what he yeah. fucking did on every boring day but like it'll be like the charged moments in his memory that he's trying to like work through or something cuz he was writing it like about his like alcoholic father or whatever is like kind of what he's dealing with um other authors that are alive i mean Huelbeck everyone loves him it's great he's alive he's good um i guess murakami is still alive he's he's pretty good i think that a lot of his books are kind of mediocre but wind up bird chronicle is his best and it's very very good um who the fuck is alive right now delicious tacos uh, of course. yeah delicious tacos and uh delicious tacos last
0: yeah uh when uh, did you first uh come to know delicious tacos and his work
1: um I, I it's funny cuz like I read some of his blog things like a while before I like encountered him on Twitter again right. and then I like remembered having read them and being like oh yeah I like that that was good or whatever. I don't really remember exactly when but it was just like I you know Twitter's weird it totally destroys your sense of like the order yeah. of events. Yeah. But the the timeline <laughs> is all jumbled.
0: Yeah, uh, delicious Marcus, uh pre-pussy pre his first published book uh, was uh, Bizarre to me because um, the prose was so good, but he. He was like a glorified PUA writer for uh, like some retards. Uh, three, yeah. th- three reply guys uh, on his blog start writing the uh, pickup uh, openers on Tinder or something like that. It was, uh, yeah. I think uh, it spoke to the spirit of our time or some shit like that. But uh, I'm glad that he's uh, starting started to make it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a great writer that that's like the saddest thing, right, is that everyone if you want to get any sort of notice or so that anyone will read anything without it being immediate because like, say you go to like you post your wrote something, you put a lot of effort into it or whatever, and you post it into the context of like, hey, like, will you read my this book written by like an anonymous person, you have no idea who it is, or like, anything about them, everyone's gonna be like, no, like, fuck no, like, there's a billion of those. There's a book like about like so many fan fiction novels in their entirety online and like tons of crap. It's like, why would anyone want to read any of that? So you end up having to have some other gimmick. And like, he happened to just like attract the fucking red pill community or whatever. Yeah. So it's like a happy accident, but it's also like becomes an issue later because you have a bunch of readers who aren't like that particularly interested in what you want to do and more interested in like, I don't know, fucking picking up girls.
0: I guess you can't blame him for that though, right? Yeah, it's uh, the spirit of his works. All right, uh, we're going to force you to read delicious Stakus. Э, uh, вы все Takas, uh, в несколько месяцев, так что готовьтесь к новым As I said, you're probably the number one fan of Nabokov uh, in Anglosphere. So can you tell me, when did you first uh, read, uh, have read uh, Nabokov, uh, why do you like him?
1: Um, I first encountered, I first like read Lolita, like I think most people, because yeah. I was just like trying to read like all of like the, the great novels of like the 20th century or whatever when I was like, like 15 to 16 or whatever, when I had like a very strict reading regimen for myself, because I was like dead set on being like going to academia or whatever. So I wanted to like know all the things. Um, and I read it the first time and I didn't care for it at all. Like I didn't really get it. I like stopped like halfway through. <clears throat> I didn't really care for it. And uh, the strange time, uh, tornado literally like went through my town and we had no school for like a week and I had no power for like a week. So I was just laying in front of like this hearth in my like living room on like an air mattress. With nothing to do and like no power and i saw like the book and it was like halfway done and i was like hey, maybe i'll just reread this so i started it and since then i was like oh wow this is fucking incredible something just clicked you know mm-hmm. and uh i started reading like everything i could from him and uh yeah i took like a specific class on him with like a professor who's like very much a Nabokovian, and uh that's when my like geeked went into like full-blown like, Obsession, where I read, like, everything he wrote. Yeah,
0: how much people do you think uh, you have memed into, like, and reading Nabokov?
1: Uh, probably a good amount, but he's easier because people have already heard of him, you know, so people will be like, OK, maybe I'll just finally give that yeah, a try. Yeah. Like, uh, PewDiePie just reviewed Lolita, he liked it a lot. So uh, he's not as hard because he has kind of like a uh, cultural influence. The problem is that no one reads anything but that. Maybe people read Pale Fire, which is incredible, But they don't read, like, a bunch – he has, like, so many good books that even his best ones, like, kind of seem – it's like looking at, like, a city skyline of skyscrapers and then being like, oh, like, I only care about the tallest one when there's, like, 25 buildings that are, like, 200 feet shorter than it or whatever, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, I think that uh, the post war era in America was like uh, one of the last times uh, when authors could uh, get notoriety. A lot of writers that uh, spawned out of out nowhere, uh, like the terrible yeah, authors. The CIA. Yeah, yeah, uh, and Rand and stuff like that. Uh, it was a powerful era nonetheless. I've read somewhere that uh, the most read book by all Americans is uh, Atlas Shrugged. I distinctly remember reading this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Do you think that's uh, true uh, to this Uh, day? I
1: think... Uh, definitely not because of Harry Potter, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very much more similar than not in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> what's What's interesting about Ayn Rand is, did you know that uh, she was friends with uh, the Nabokov family? She was friends with Vladimir oh. Nabokov's uh, younger sister. That makes sense. She used to be sense. at her house like all the time. So okay. like they, they used to argue about like libertarianism essentially in the house. Because he was, like, less of a, like, a statist than they were because, like, his family was, like, constitutional Democrats and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's mostly really widely read because it had so it has a whole fucking foundation behind it, right? Where if you go into an American high school, you will find a poster somewhere uh, which will say, like, hey, like, enter this Ayn Rand essay writing contest or whatever. Oh. And, like, you can win X, Y, and Z. And that's literally how they produce, like, the college Republican class. Right? Like, all of these people just get selected by writing, like, essays on Ayn Rand novels.
2: I have to leave now. Um right, Logo, it right. was uh, great to speak to you. I hope we can do that sometime in the future again. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Don't sell translation rights for your book. Uh, if anybody's ever okay. going to okay. translate it to Russian, it's going to be me. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, man. So, uh, yeah. Bye. Пока All
0: right. So... Uh, like 15 more minutes uh, to go and we'll wrap it up. Okay. Alright, but uh, it's kind of weird that uh, probably the most uh, influential writers uh, of post-war America were not Russian, but uh, they were perceived as Russian yeah, by general public. Uh, why do you think uh, it could happen?
1: um i mean a, a part of it obviously is like t- comes down to like this like cold war cultural war yeah right?
0: fascination like, with the enemy and well, uh, it's, but
1: it's also like they were all anti-communist you know to yeah, a certain yeah. degrees like you also have like solzhenitsyn and uh like pasterna but right? solzhenitsyn
0: uh, is not uh, nowhere near uh the popularity of those two
1: yeah, well, not nowhere near, but maybe even more so now than before. Da, before because of Jordan B. Peterson. Because of Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think uh, that... I read Social Needs, and, yeah. and I just thought it wasn't that interesting. But again, it's like like st- stories of people having a bad time.
0: What do you think, uh, by the way, about uh, Jordan B. Peterson, what he's doing, and does he really influence uh, American youths uh, any major way?
1: Um... I mean, I think that he's, like, not a bad person, particularly. Like, I wouldn't be, like, oh, like, as some people are, like, scandalized as him being, like, the worst thing in the world or, like, the best thing in the world. Like, I'm kind of indifferent at this point. I think that his influence is waning. He's been, like, traveling around. I don't really know. But ultimately, like, he doesn't really prescribe any solutions to things. He's more, like, just... Trying at least somewhat to get people to read deeper into things than just like a socio political or like identity politics reading of like all things in the world, which I think is beneficial, but ultimately leads people to like fucking, I don't know, generally boring stuff. It's not like Jordan Peterson is telling people to read Nabokov, he's telling them to read fucking George Orwell. Which is like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Everyone read it uh, anyway. Uh, but uh, who do you support in the upcoming debates uh, between Zizek and uh, Peterson?
1: I mean, I hate them both, <laughs> but right. I like them both also. Um, I think Zizek will win. Like, I don't really, I'm not really aligned with either of them. Like, I don't really. An old one is, I think. Uh, uh, Zizek I think
0: that is, Zizek will win. Yeah, it's a more entertaining. Uh, figure yeah. for sure. And I think it's a great own to American philosophy and politics uh, leftist politics that the guy who barely speaks English and uh, can't pronounce uh, like half the sounds is uh, one of the most influential leftists there is it's uh, ridiculous
1: i don't really know how influential he is though because people read him and then they like reference him but nothing fucking happens yeah like, sure. it's not like his his ideas are doing anything you know yeah, but he's so... kind of i i think he's a stand-up comedian mostly. Like, <laughs> yeah just are entertained by like this eastern european man saying things yeah. that they think sound deep
0: yeah but uh what are the influential People right now actually influential, like a Chapa trap house or some shit like that. Is, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're. I think they're losing the momentum hard. If Andrew Yank becomes uh, anywhere close to uh, winning the election, they're gonna going to the shithole. They're going to down the drain of relevancy.
1: They're like, uh, their their mo their ideology mostly comes ironically from like the CCRU shit, like the same place that Nick Lang comes out of, because they're all based off of like Mark Fisher. Like all they do is like bow down to Mark Fisher all the time and talk about capitalist realism just like over and over and over again that's like all of their critique is like this Gen X fucking stuff like just, ha- just you know yeah. just sitting there getting microwaved every once in a while
0: yeah, it's atrocious, but uh, it's funny to me. Like, uh, do you know this podcast, uh, Red Scare, by these uh, orbiter yeah, thoughts? Uh, it's awful. Like, but uh, there was a funny news story uh, about, uh, like, some fashion site, uh, socialists, not socialites, walk uh, the fashion show or some shit like that. And there was... Yeah. Uh, uh, Anna Hachian, <laughs> her name is fucking hysterical if you know Russian uh, swear words for Armenians. And uh, this other girl, I don't know, is she even conscious? Uh, I'm not sure. But that's not the point. Uh, I saw this uh, podcast is, uh, no, an easy way to make money on the hype of countdown and Chapa and all these uh, Brooklynites uh, click uh, thought it wouldn't work for some reason. it was gaining slow momentum half a year ago, and uh, they fucking walked the fashion show. How is it it is to make it if you're barely leftist uh, in America right now it's uh, it's fucking free for all
1: i don't think I think that you're not looking at this as critically as I would right because I think that the entire that entire scene right they're all connected yeah. but all connected to who the only person that really matters is will meneker who's the guy running Chapo. his father is like was like the editor of the new yorker for fucking decades right so all like their entire explosion of like relevancy comes from his like leveraging epitistic connections to get that initial like uh attention from like them doing uh articles on Chapo trap house right And so then everyone else has been kind of like sailing in that way.
0: Yeah, but it's kind of funny that it's like a a shitty reincarnation of uh, popularity of Ayn Rand and Nabokov uh, post-war, like vaguely Russian uh, writers, and now it's uh, vaguely Russian female leftists. Uh, The theme is still there, but it's uh, like crippled, it's uh, mutilated. I think that uh, Russian culture, vaguely Russian culture is insanely profitable. All right, so about nepotism, there was a funny debate uh, lately on Twitter about Yale, uh, some actress, uh, Zoe Kazan, she played in Ruby Sparks, that's uh, a boring, shitty movie, uh, she's the wife of uh, Paul Dano, the guy from There Will Be Blood, uh, the priest. She's from, like, some insanely powerful family. Her granddad was the one who was raising other communists out during the Red Scare, actual Red Scare, and he made a lot of credit on that. So, she's like from the higher caste of Brahmins in America and tried to expose uh, Yale nepotism like, uh, like without my connection I couldn't make it, it's, uh, I'm uh, just from a merely uh, upper middle, uh, fuck, uh, upper middle class and it's uh, magic that uh, they uh, enrolled me did you face any nepotism while uh, joining university Uh, did you try to aim at uh, ivy league or no
1: yeah like um uh, people in my family like i have no fucking nepotism connections at all like like my my great like my like three generations ago like my grandfather's father was like illiterate you know like (laughs) uh like in like the fucking boondocks of rhode island like uh on the other side like sort of, like, Irish middle class, and so I don't really have any of those connections, but people in my family have gotten into, like, very good schools. Um, I have a sibling who went to an Ivy League school, so it's, like, possible to a certain degree. Um, It wasn't for me just because I was, like, kind of, like, a fucking slacker in some respects. Like, I hung out with, like, I was more, I didn't really, like, try super hard, or like to have like a perfect Mm -hmm. resume and things like that, which is like, basically you have to like fucking go hard to like get your qualifications to get into something like that. Like from the inside though, like having also like experienced those zones, like it's very segregated between like the, the actual like legacy kids who are getting in purely off nepotism are almost like nowhere to be found in like the student body. They're mostly like there to like party for four years and then just like get a job wherever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's like the main issue with the American economy also is that uh, everyone assumes that there's like all these jobs to be had because there's job postings everywhere, but those are just required by law and most companies will not hire anyone who they don't have like they they have, they leverage like inside employee networks in order to hire people because you have a much higher like rate of holding on to employees for that, whereas if you hire someone randomly, like from the outside, their turnover rate is much higher, so for like Any entry-level job in America, you literally have to know somebody unless you get really lucky or like you have high pedigree.
0: So uh, a lot of uh, Russians and people that uh, aren't as familiar with actual American reality are under misconception that uh, like in America, there's real meritocracy that you can be Oh, absolutely not.
1: Absolutely false. Pure ideology.
0: Yeah, I feel such a pity for these uh, poor schmucks who uh, go to America to make it as a fucking front end developer and uh, are living in the slums in some fucking California suburbs for Mexicans uh, and are flexing that, oh, we're living in America. Secured in the back and shit like that, while their actual quality of life is uh, is shitter than a Russian alcoholic with, uh, like, uh, $10 a month salary uh, that's, uh, uh, like, lying there between beating his wife.
1: Yeah, the thing is that people don't understand about America, I guess, or, like, is that they accept the total false front that everyone puts on as the actual reality Whereas like everyone is lying because to not be successful is the same as to be like morally questionable, right? Like if you're not, if you're not doing well economically, like it's because there's something wrong with you because everyone believes that everyone's going to make it. So it's just kind of like reinforcing, um, illusion, which just governs the popular mind.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. It was a great uh, podcast. Thank you. Uh, Uh, Buy my
1: book. Yeah. Buy my book, Russian friends,
0: please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to shill it uh, as much as we can. First it's going to be on our Patreon. Then uh, we'll make uh, subtitles uh, sometime in the future. Uh, I think the hype uh, won't run out uh, in this period. Uh, but uh, I think the most valuable uh, books uh, aren't afflicted with hype. They're not dependent on it. So it's... yeah we will do our best to promote uh, the only the few uh, great american authors there are to our audience Uh, so to wrap it up uh, you should say something funny in russian i have something in mind but uh, what is the most funny word that you know in russian
1: well um tell me if i'm right about this with translation because There was this homeless Russian guy who lived yeah. on my block for years that I would talk to, and he was just like a pure alcoholic, and I'd like <laughs> give him cigarettes and stuff. Yeah. But he used to yell Blacha Mucha.
0: Blacha mucha, da Blacha Mucha. It's like... uh, Is that plague flies? um, So, what it is, is uh, there is a word, uh, like, the most severe uh, Russian swear word. But if you want to soften it a bit, so it's not uh, a swear word, but it acts like one, like, you know, uh, not... uh, American kids are saying freak instead of fuck yeah yeah uh, it's uh, something like that so blah is still there but uh, there is a word blacha which is a part of your belt the metal part of your belt yeah and "mucha" is a fly right uh, it doesn't make any sense but uh, it's a oh. funny like rhyme
1: oh it's like it's like Jesus. crow
0: yeah 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 Maybe it's someone a, someone a soft uh, swear okay. rhyme all right, uh you should say uh something life-affirming and say this uh Rusky в period. Rusky period uh monarcha nazbalism нас ждт. <laughs> oh
1: no, what are you trying to get me to say? Nazbalism
0: Monarcha Nazbalism Monarcha Monarcho is like monarchy. monarchy.
1: Oh, mona- more like monarcho Nazbolism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I okay. guess. Monarcho Nazbolism? Nas idiot. Nas idiot.
0: Thank you, Cam.
2: Uh, Alright.